community for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! morning, folks. Hope you guys are well. My name is Mitch. If I'm not gotten to meet you, I am the executive pastor of Lake Forest Church, which really sounds important, um, but it's really not. But it's, uh, it's a lot of fun in my role. Uh, for some of you who've known me for a while, that I was one of the associate pastors at our Huntersville Church, and I, my wife and I have actually been a part of Lake Forest since the very beginning. We were part of the core team, and so it's so fun for us to see how much uh, it's grown and now being on three different uh, uh, locations. And one of the th- roles that I get to play as executive pastor is I actually get to be a part of all three of those now and helping us move forward in some healthy ways and some great ways. And so uh, Aaron gave you some good news this morning about all the ways that God has just used uh, you guys here at Westlake. And, and I just want you to know from a guy who's been one of the founding members of, of Lake Forest Church, it just blows me away of what God is doing through you guys and the fact that uh, what he's doing is 19 years ago when we started, could have never imagined uh, all of this, and he's just continues to do immeasurably more in all of that, and it's just so fun to watch. So I'm, I'm really just proud of you uh, that you believe that the good news of who Jesus is is actually that. It's good news for folks. And I want to also just give you a quick update because you're part of three different churches um, up at our Davidson uh, church this past year. They're six years old, and this past year, uh, they went through some, some uh, flat places and just getting established in there. And this past year, they have grown over 25%. And it is just really cool to see that. Now, the big prayers, there's not 40 acres in Davidson anywhere uh, for them. And so I'd encourage you to pray for them and praying that they can find one acre maybe to uh, put a building and to continue to invite more folks over at Huntersville. In Huntersville, they are, did an immeasurably more uh, vision campaign that same time you guys did. And they are three months away from finishing a $4 million addition, parking, expanding. And it's just so cool to see how much all three places, God is just growing, and it's just so fun to be a part of that with you. So I want to talk to you today a little bit more about good news. I want to real that's where we're going today. Good news is what I want to talk to you, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, uh, and be honest with you, about a place in my own life that over these numbers of years, God has stretched me and grown me around this topic of good news. And I want to share that with you by kind of telling you a little story about a friend of mine, but also to kind of tell you when I first heard the good news of who Jesus was. Bill is a friend of mine that we've been, we've known each other for about five or six years, and Bill's a neat guy, love him a ton, and we have a ton of conversations. And here's what I appreciate about Bill. Bill has a very sour taste toward the church and has a pretty jaded attitude toward God, but yet he's not packaged me as one of those pastors that's just out to convert him. And at the same time, he's also not turned a deaf ear to conversation about God with me. He loves talking about all kinds of things, and so anytime we talk about God, we talk about Jesus, he's open to the conversation. He's just got a pretty jaded attitude toward God. Now, put Bill here. Now, let me tell you a little bit about when I first heard the good news of Jesus and when I began a journey of following Jesus. I was age 16, and I was in a church, and, and, and one Sunday in that church, I actually said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. The next week, 
I was going door to door with the pastor of that church, knocking on people's doors, saying, hey, can we come in to your house and tell you about the good news of Jesus? People actually let us in. Now, those are different times back then. So, but they let us in, and we go in, we sit on the couch, and we're supposed to tell the good news of Jesus for them, and within five minutes, the conversation has quickly turned into how horrible their life is, how terrible they're living, and how much they're going to go to hell if they don't change and accept Jesus right there. That's the good news. That's what it was like for me at age 16 when I began a journey with Jesus. And that was the extent of the good news. Your life is horrible. You're going to hell if you don't change. So here's the tension. And here's the place that God has stretched me and grown me over these years. And here's the question that I want to ask if if you've maybe even wrestled with this. And it's this question, how do I tell the good news of Jesus without turning it into damning news for another? How do you actually tell good news about Jesus without it becoming damning news? And Bill's been a great person for me to grow in this because I know that his past is filled with a ton of hypocrisy from the church, but yet his day-in and day-out life is very destructive His way of living is destructive to himself, it's destructive to his family, and even affects his friends a ton. And so it's really easy for me to turn the good news about who Jesus is into really just damning Bill for the way that he lives his life, and furthering his hatred for the church and leaving him even more jaded toward God. So that's our question. How do you tell the good news, keeping it good news instead of turning it into damning news. Now, I hope you will hear what I'm going to talk to is folks who have chosen to follow Jesus. I'm going to really talk specifically about how do you tell someone the good news of Jesus. But even if you're here today and Jesus isn't very good news for you yet, and you don't see it yet, and and you're still trying to figure out if you even want to follow Christ, then here's a question for you. The, The real thing to think about is how do I tell anybody good news? And that's the principles I'm going to share is anytime I have good news to share with somebody, how do I keep it as good news and sharing and and being excited about that good news? So here's the first principle. First principle in this is everybody hears and responds to good news differently. You have to realize that everybody hears and responds to good news differently. Today, in about a a few hours, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to cross the goal line for the second time, and they're going to be up by 14 points today, and you're going to see the way he responds and the way he celebrates. And then about five minutes later, Cam Newton's going to cross the goal line and score as well, and you're going to see a distinct difference between the way Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton celebrate. There's a big difference in that. This past Thanksgiving, I spent Thanksgiving Day with my wife's side of the family, and so we had a Thanksgiving meal, and then uh, Thanksgiving just went horrible from there. They turned on the Carolina Tar Heel basketball game, and all of her family are Carolina Tar Heel fans. I am completely not, okay? And so it was a horrible Thanksgiving for me. Here was the other reason a horrible Thanksgiving, but halfway through the first half, I literally had to leave the house and go walk around the block. For about 30 minutes. It takes a long time to get around that block. And here's the reason. Two reasons. One, I can't stand any time Carolina Tar Heels win, and so I just don't like to be in the room. The bigger reason, though, is I was watching this game with her cousin, who is a diehard Carolina fan, and here's how he celebrates and watches Carolina score. Anytime Carolina scores, it's this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Literally, it goes on that long. They've already gone down, played defense, and gotten the ball back again and scoring again. And so it's the whole time this. And it's obnoxious because I don't celebrate anything like that, okay? The way I celebrate most of the time when I'm watching ball games, any sports, I'm sitting in my man cave by myself in my garage, and somebody that I love scores, and I'm, that's about it. Yeah. I'm an internal celebrator. And so they were external celebrators. And part of you got to realize is everybody celebrates good news differently. You actually see this in the story in the New Testament when the angels come down from heaven and proclaim to the shepherds, Jesus is born. And so the first announcement that Jesus is born, these angels come from heaven and they tell these shepherds and then they go back up to heaven and I want you to see their response and I want you to compare it to another person in this story and their response. You see this story in the second book of the New Testament called Luke. And so here's, uh, here's the story, verse 15 of chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left the shepherds and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, whoa, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurry off, and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as it had been told. Notice the difference in response. The shepherds hear this news, and they can't wait to go do something. They're excited. They're ecstatic. Let's go see this thing. And then they see Jesus, and they go and tell everybody about it. Mary ponders. Now, I get the fact the woman just gave birth in a barn after walking hundreds of miles and pretty little energy to do anything other than ponder, but there's a big difference in this celebration And a couple weeks ago, Dean looked at Mary's response, but I want us to look at the shepherds. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the shepherds, and we're going to learn from these shepherds what it means for us to tell good news, but understanding right off the bat that everybody hears good news differently. On Sunday mornings, we come together and we sing about this good news of a God who loves us by sending His Son, Jesus. And every one of us, when we stand and sing, we celebrate that good news in different ways. There are some folks who are celebrating that with their hands up. They're worshiping with their hands up. And you can really tell when they're into the good news because they start doing heaven push-ups. And so they're really into it. And that's, a, that's one way of celebrating. There are others who ponder who were their heads down, their eyes closed, or just singing quietly, taking in the music. It's different. Most of us are holding a cup of coffee, looking at the person with their hands up, going, what did they drink last night, and wondering why the other person is asleep during all this music. But we all respond differently to good news. And that's the big thing you got to see in that. Second principle, sharing good news about what God is doing, it is worship. When you're actually sharing good news about what God is doing, that is part of your worship. 
The shepherds respond by worshiping and going and telling others, glorifying God, praising God, spreading the good news. They worship by going out and telling everybody, look what we just learned, what we just saw, look what it does, look how it changes everything. It's about going and telling anyone that doesn't yet realize the good news of Jesus, that is part of our worship. Worship's not a chore. Uh, uh, Telling others about Jesus is not a chore. It's not a task. It's not uh, just an an discipline or an obedience. It's not just for those who are trained. Telling others about Jesus is a natural response to the good news of hearing about him. And now we go and tell others. The third principle, the good news is not about making my life better. I want you to imagine, or I want you to just think about if there's anybody in your life right now that you know is living a pretty destructive lifestyle, or anybody in your life right now that you know is doing some things that just isn't going to end up being pretty. I want you to think about if you've got anybody like that in your life. Now, I bet if you can think about that person, there might be a tension in you because there might be something in you that says, I feel like I need to confront them. I feel like I need to go to them and to say to them, the way you're living right now is not good. It's not healthy. It's destructive. And I bet there's a tension in you that wants to go to them and to share with them that I want to tell you that this is not good. And I want to tell you even more. I want to tell you I believe there's a better way you can live. And I also want to tell you that I'm willing to walk with you through this. You see, that's good news. That's good news for anybody who's living in a way that's spiraling their life and it's going to be destructive, to know that somebody has a better plan and they're willing to help me walk through that. That's good news. But here's what I also know. Many of us will never share that good news. And the main reason is because we're afraid they might not hear it as good news. We're afraid that they might say, who are you to judge me? Look at your own life. We're afraid that they might hate us for calling this out in their life. We're afraid that the, the relationship might not be there anymore because I've said this and they didn't hear it as good news. They might hate me, and so I stay quiet. I keep the good news from them because I'm afraid of how they will see me. And if we're honest about this, and we examine this just a little bit, the reality is we tend to tell others good news only if it makes our lives better, not harder. And so we stay quiet. Why? Because they might hate me. They might not like me. And I get that. That's hard. But we withhold good news. Why? Because it doesn't make my life easier. It doesn't make my life better. And if I could be assured that a person is going to respond positively to what I'm about to say to them, because I think it is good news, but they might hear it as hard. But if I can be assured they're going to hear it as a positive thing, then I'll share it. But I can't be assured, and so most of us stay quiet. Let's flip that. 
Let's flip it a little bit. You ever been with a group of friends that you're all trying to decide, okay, which of us is going to confront this other friend because they are living a pretty destructive lifestyle right now, and one of us has got to go and talk to them and tell them, and there's somebody in the group who says, well, shoot, I'll go tell them. I ain't afraid. You got a group of friends like that? Person who raised their hand, I ain't scared. I'll say it right to them. You know what? I'm one of those people. There's some people who avoid conflict. There are others of us like me. We volunteer for that stuff, okay? I ain't afraid. I'll go tell them. It's the right thing. I'll do it. Now, here's the thing that I also know about myself for a long time. For a long time, I would take that step. Why? Because it was my way of saying, I got my life together better than they do. Or I take that step. Why? Because it was the right thing, and I wasn't going to be blamed for not telling them. In other words, even on the other side of this, the only reason we would go to a person is because it would make my life better. It would not hold me guilty conscience if they didn't change. Well, I told them. And so we go and we actually are honest with people sometimes because I'm just not going to be held accountable. I don't really care if they change. I just want to make sure that I'm off the hook. You see, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that sharing good news should be to give another person hope, to let them know what's changed your life can change theirs. And we're not just telling people this good news or we're not withholding good news just because they may or may not like me or what's best for me. There's a language that I found very helpful when I'm confronting folks or when I'm just looking at myself and saying whether I should talk to a person or not. And here's a language I hope it might be helpful for you, is the language I'll use is you can be mad at me, you can say that I'm judging you, but I won't apologize today for loving you. That language really helps me because I know when I'm telling somebody hard stuff, but it's really good news, but they're going to hear it as hard stuff, it helps me to know You might be mad at me. You might think I'm judging you. But what I know is the only reason I'm saying this to you is because I do love you. And I know that this is good news whether you receive it that way or not. So practically, is there somebody close to you that's living in one of these ways that this week you need the courage to go to and to be able to say, look, you might be mad at me. Look, you might judge me, but the only reason I'm saying to this, this to you is I do love you, and I want some great things for you. I challenge you this week to be courageous enough to go tell somebody that good news, because it is good news, and remember, the good news is about what God can do in them, not just about you. Here's the fourth principle. Sharing good news is how we actually shepherd others. As you look through the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, you're going to notice that God uses three different types of people to tell the good news, to tell news to his people. In the Old Testament, you see two of these people, and then in the New Testament, you see one of them. In the other, in the New Old Testament, you see two people. The first person you see is a judge, okay? Judges were the messengers of God declaring what is right and what is wrong. So God would send a judge, and he's a person that looks at the law. He determines if a person is right or if he's wrong, if he's innocent or if he's guilty, according to whatever law those people are abiding by. 
And so God would send a judge to his people because his people were abiding by his law. And he sent them to save them. He sent them to say to them whether you're guilty or not guilty, you're right or wrong. You can read about this in Judges chapter 2. Let me give you a glimpse of this. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge. He saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. But when the judge died, the people turned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. So God would send these judges because his people were following other gods. And so he'd send a judge and say, you're wrong, get right, and follow God's law. Then the judge would die and the people would get worse. And then God started sending a second type of person. They're called prophets. Prophets are the messengers of God declaring, repent, turn back to God. And here's what ends up happening is all these judges keep coming, and then eventually the people get worse and worse and to the point of where they could care less about God's law. They didn't care about his law at all. So it's pointless for God to send another judge. Why? Because we don't care about following his law. And so God then sent prophets, prophets who said, turn back to God. You need to start declaring about his law again. And so they are sent to tell a person to repent, to change your life, turn back to God. But in the New Testament, we see a third messenger of God. We just read about him, the shepherds. Shepherds are the messengers of God declaring there's good news of a Savior. That's their message. There's good news of a Savior. Shepherds sent by God to save his people by telling good news. Now, here's why that's really important. It's really important for us to recognize these three types of messengers. And the reason is I believe that any time we share the good news of Jesus, most of us are tempted to be judges and prophets as opposed to shepherds. It's really easy to become a judge and a prophet way more than a shepherd. You see, judges take the good news of Jesus, and we make it about what a person is doing right or wrong. Prophets take the good news of Jesus, and it becomes about what a person has to do to change their lives and make it right. But a shepherd takes the good news of Jesus and helps a person wonder How could a God love me this much? A judge tells my friend, Bill, God's disappointed in you. You have failed him. A prophet tells my friend, Bill, get your life together. Change it now. But a shepherd tells my friend, can I tell you about a God who loves you so much that he sent his son? And it's not about whether you're right or wrong. It's not about how quickly you change. It is about the good news of Jesus. That's what a shepherd does. I've been praying for Bill for many years. And a couple of months ago, Bill and I had an opportunity to sit up in the mountains together for about three hours around a fire pit, just sitting under the stars, the most unbelievable night that you could see, and just stars everywhere. And so that night, our conversation was about the galaxy and the stars, and Bill told me, he said, Mitch, 
I got to be honest with you. I think that if we actually discovered that there's life out there, it really disproves this whole God and man thing. And how much you talk about how God is so personable, I think it really disproves all of that. And I got to be honest with you, Mitch, I actually hope that we do find life out there. And I said, well, Bill, that's interesting because I disagree with you. I don't think it disproves it at all. But here's the thing we have in common. I hope we find life out there too. I think that'd be pretty dang cool. But I have a question for you, Bill. You keep talking about and keep looking for us for the day that we find life out there. What's to happen if there was ever a day that it was declared there's no other life out there? What does it mean for you, Bill, that there's a God who created all of this? He's that powerful. He created all these stars, make it all work. He created everything around us. He created the brain for a human to figure out how to get out there. He created all of this, Bill, and he cares so much about you and all of this vastness. But yet he loves you so much that he would send his only son to die on a cross so that you, Bill, could be in eternity with him forever. And that doesn't start when you die, but it starts right now, Bill. What if that's true? And Bill said, I guess that would change everything for me. And I responded back to him and said, brother, that's why I tell you this good news. I just want you to think about the fact that there is a God out there who loves you that much. And I hope it would change everything for you. The next day, Bill got up, and at breakfast, he made a point to say to me, Mitch, I want to be clear. I do believe that there's a God out there. But you just have to understand, I've got a ton of questions about who this God is, and the church has never been a safe place for me to ask it. I grew up in a church who every time I'd ask a question about God, they would damn me for it and wonder why I would ask, and why don't I just believe? Can you imagine that? How sad. The very place, the church that you're invited to come and explore, to learn about God, is the very place that's telling him, damn on you. How dare you ask those questions? And so I told Bill, I said, Bill, you can ask me all the questions you want. And I'm just going to talk with them about you, with, it, with you. And I will never say to you, you have to believe what I'm telling you. But I'm only asking you to consider what I believe is really good news, and I think it can change your entire life, Bill. So Bill and I continue to talk, and he's probing a little bit more as I get to shepherd his heart with the good news of Jesus. You see, folks, I want you to understand that judges want their point to be right and a verdict to be made. Prophets, we want our voice to be heard and the person to change immediately, but a shepherd wants the good news to be told, and a person simply to reflect and to ponder of how it changes their life. Judges tell the outcast, the divorced, the addict, the adulterer, the gossiper, the resentful, the bitter, you're wrong, you're guilty, God wants nothing to do with you. 
A prophet tells the broken marriage, the unchurched, the person that won't forgive, the sexually confused, the work or alcoholic, God's only going to love you if you repent and you change. But a shepherd tells all of those people. A shepherd tells the parent that can't forgive themselves. The shepherd that tells a child that's daily wondering, does anybody see me? Does anybody care? A shepherd says, oh, yes. There's a God who loves you so much that he sent his only son to die because he deeply, deeply cares. And it is such good news about this Savior. I want to tell you how good this news is for your life. That's what a shepherd does. And in the same way that the angels declared that Jesus is born, the shepherds worship by going and telling others. He invites us to also be shepherds and to tell others. But this isn't something new. It doesn't just happen in the New Testament. This happens in the Old Testament as well. All the way back in Isaiah 40, uh, we hear these words in Isaiah 40, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here's your God. And then he describes this God. Hear about this God. Listen to this. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him. His recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart, gently leads those that have young. Here's your God. He is a shepherd. Go and tell people the good news that their God is a shepherd and he loves them. Now, each of us have neighbors, co-workers, family members, that don't know this good news yet. Christmas Eve uh, is a great time. It's uh, one of the few times that you can actually invite folks to actually be curious about and to hear it a little bit. See, I believe that inviting a person to Christmas Eve service is kind of like commercials during a Super Bowl. Think about it. No time during the year does anybody go and sit down at a TV and tell everybody, shh, be quiet, there's a commercial on except for one time during the year. That's the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is the only time you can look at everybody, be quiet, be quiet, there's a commercial on. It's the same as Christmas Eve. Everybody's open to being invited to a Christmas Eve service. Most people are hoping and expecting. So I want to encourage you, this week, who's the family member that you can't stand the fact that they're coming for Christmas? Who's the co-worker who's been bitter and angry at everybody, who's the neighbor that you haven't even talked to all year because of the way that they've lived? Would you invite them to come to Christmas Eve? And here's the words I'd encourage you. Hey, Christmas is right here, and I don't know if you know the true meaning of that. Um, I don't know if you have a place to go and uh, worship, to come and, and be a part of a church. I want to invite you to come to my church, and here's why. I think that night, you're going to hear some really good news that will change your life. So I want you to come with me and hear this good news. I challenge you to invite these friends because I wonder 
how much the good news of Jesus could actually change their life. Let me pray for us.